It's Wednesday, the 11th of December, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, the return of Argentina's Peronists, as the centre-left new president, Alberto Fernandez, is sworn into office. We'll cross to our correspondent in Buenos Aires, Declan McGarvey. Argentina is a polarised nation. The outgoing government, with 40% of the national vote, was a neoliberal experiment that tried to reset Argentina's economy along pro-market, pro-business lines and has largely failed. Plus, bad news for newsmakers, as a new report reveals rising distrust in the media. And our culture correspondent, Fernando Augusto Pacheco, takes us shopping for pizza and vintage vinyl in Japan. I'm Ben Rylan in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Argentina's new president, Alberto Fernandez, was sworn into office yesterday. The centre-left leader has promised to put his country back on its feet after years of economic turbulence. Declan Mugave is Monocle's correspondent in Buenos Aires. Coming into power, Alberto Fernandez faces an explosive combination that includes one of the world's highest inflation rates, a debt crisis that leaves Argentina on the cusp of a damaging default on its vast international debt, economic recession for three of the last four years, unemployment, poverty, rising to close to record highs. How is Alberto Fernandez, the centre-left pragmatist, going to deal with this? Now, the biggest indicator of his incoming economic programme is his choice over the last three days of his economy minister, who is an expert in uh, debt restructuring. So Alberto Fernandez's likely immediate response to Argentina's economic crisis is going to request uh, a restructuring of Argentina's massive debt with the International Monetary Fund following the IMS record bailout of Argentina's economy 12 months ago. That may include a debt moratorium of up to two to four years, which would see Argentina suspend its debt repayments to its international creditors, including the IMF, perhaps suspend uh, interest payments as well, to give Argentina's economy enough time to reach a platform from which it can reach economic growth and be able to put itself in a position to pay back that massive debt. There's also likely to be a big cash injection into Argentina's economy. Uh, Alberto Fernandez is of the populist Peronist party. He has to make maintain his campaign promises given over the last few months to increase welfare, to increase social security uh, payments, to up state sector wages. That could be dangerous. That could be inflationary. Argentina's inflation rate is already at 60% per year, and he may risk a hyperinflationary cycle. Argentina is a polarized nation. The outgoing government with 40% of the national vote was a neoliberal experiment that tried to reset Argentina's economy along pro-market pro-business lines and has largely failed. Alberto Fernandez now comes into government with a vastly different proposal for Argentina's political and economic direction. Now, where do you get your news? Well, you may well say the Monocle Minute, but according to a new report by the Rand Corporation in the United States, one third of Americans knowingly rely on news platforms that they deem unreliable. Traditional media outlets such as print, radio and television still rank among the most accurate, but the days of mass audiences tuning in to one evening TV bulletin or picking up a morning paper are well and truly behind us. Monocle's Carlotta Rabello met with Rand's sociologist Michael Pollard, who co-authored the report. Reliability does generally matter to people. They do tend to get news from platforms that they think are the most reliable. But there is a large chunk of people uh, who don't 
There is a third of Americans actually get their news from platforms that they themselves say are not the most reliable platforms. And in fact, those people are also the people who think the news in general has become less reliable over time. Is it a matter just of perception, Deb? So all we do is we ask people about their perceptions of how reliable the news is. We don't actually try to assess the quality of the news that they're getting, but we do know that they believe the reliability of their primary sources is less reliable than other sources. So, for example, people who get their news primarily from social media, they acknowledge that this is not the most reliable platform, but it is the one that they use the most. Why do you feel then that uh, Americans use then sources that them themselves are saying or they're aware that they're not as reliable as others? It's a good question. We didn't ask people why they use the sources they use, although the data do point to uh, a few potential reasons. One of them is that just knowing that there is more reliable news out there doesn't mean you have the time or ability to access it. So it could be competing demands, for example. So as I said, people who use social media are at particular risk for sort of realizing they're not getting the most reliable news. But it's also one of the sort of easiest ways to get news. It's very convenient. And if you think about things like print news, which was consistently rated as among the most reliable, that's a little less easy to use if you're at home doing some housework, traveling in the car. Uh, you can't really read a newspaper, uh, but you can check your social media feed, uh, that sort of thing. Did the report find then that Americans generally find news sources to be reliable then? When they look, I guess, to traditional media, is the overall impression that, yeah, that's where you can kind of trust what you're reading or hearing or seeing? Right. So I think it's a bit of a glass half full, half empty answer here. 44% of respondents said the news is as reliable as it has been, uh, but almost as many people, 41%, said it's less reliable now than it used to be. So roughly equal portions of the population have fairly different views. And then there's a subset, about 15%, think the news is actually gotten more reliable over time. And those are primarily uh, race ethnic minorities, for example. But then when you think about specific platforms, uh, you're right, sort of the more traditional news delivery, television, both broadcast and cable and print were generally uh, viewed as among the most reliable sources. We also looked into how political partisanship factors and the whole idea w whether individuals are looking for specific viewpoints when looking for their their sources and their, the specific news sources here. What were the findings then when you get people's viewpoints and preferences? Right. So one of the things we did was we looked back at previous data we had collected from our sample on their political attitudes on sort of a scale from very liberal to very conservative but also what they said they did during the 2016 presidential election. Did they vote? Who did they vote for? And there were definitely political partisanship links to all sorts of different aspects of news consumption. Uh, in terms of sort of this triangulation of news or echo chamber risk, 
Uh, we did see actually that more liberal respondents were more likely to say that they didn't uh, check sort of news sources that they thought would give them a different view than their own. At the same time, more liberal respondents also thought that the news was uh, as reliable as it has been. So it's possible they didn't feel that they needed to triangulate. And finally today, Monocle's Fernando Augusto Pacheco explains why shopping in Japan can provide a masterclass in promoting global culture. During my first trip to Japan, I was very excited to get the full experience, tasting the delicacies of the nation's cuisine, visiting the best record shops in Tokyo, and taking my first Shinkansen. Yet, little did I know that the Japanese experience often involves many things that aren't actually from within its borders at all. At the food hall of department store Isetan, you will spot many French pastries that are as tasty and delightful as those found in Paris. In fact, in their Japanified version, all delicately wrapped in beautiful packaging, they might even be better than their original counterparts. And there's a bigger selection to boot. And it's not just pastries. Italian food is another Japanese obsession. The pasta and pizza here are entirely irresistible, Toast is taken very seriously here too. It's not at all a gimmick. Then there's the amazing selection of Brazilian music. Browsing through bookshop Daikanyama Tea Site or Tower Records, I spotted albums by artists whose works it would be impossible to find in my Sao Paulo hometown. Ditto for excellent American vintage fashion. Head to Coenge's second-hand shops for proof. If you're wondering how Japan manages to do other countries better than they do themselves, it's actually very simple. Just apply the country's trademark perfectionism to foreign products, food and culture. No matter if you're dining at excellent Italian-Japanese restaurant Signale Enoteca or tucking into a juicy bratwurst, you can be sure that they will be just as good as the delicacies found in Rome or Berlin. Or, probably, even better. For Monaco, I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. That's all in today's program. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website, monocle.com. I'm Ben Ryland. The Monocle Minute returns on Thursday. Thursday.